0: the way it is with Noonan, and thanks, Donal, very much indeed. We'll have news again at six, and uh, I'll have headlines at half past five. Now it's time to talk animals, and I'm joined in the studio. Always delightful to see uh, Richie Ryan, vet with Archer's Field Veterinary Practice, uh, and uh, great. They give you a bit of time off, or you take time off, or you come in your spare time. Um, Richard to talk to us. Oh, that's
1: it. Yeah, we try look we work it into the day.
0: It's brilliant. So listen, what's been going on? What's happening in vet land at the moment?
1: Oh, look, it's it's been busy. Um, I mean, the the thing with the the, I suppose the beauty of mixed practice, like we're a mixed practice, we see farm animals or large animals, and we see small animals, so your pets as well. I suppose the beauty of it uh, is that we have variety, and so when one thing is busy. Um, you're hoping that the other will be quiet so in the spring when large animals are really really busy oftentimes it just historically seems to be a slightly quieter time for small animals um, and the summer holidays whatever it is summer holidays are busy for pets for small animals summer holidays very very busy time which is grand because farm animals is a bit quieter do you know where like the calving and the lambing is mostly they're all over they're um, so there's just you know odd kind of unusual jobs here and there uh, with farm animals and routine stuff like TB testing or herd health investigations but it's it's lovely that we have the variety and have small animals and just launch in there and keep busy that way.
0: Very good. Um, I was asking you in the uh, ad break there at the end of the news Richard what you made of because I was kind of confused about the outcome of you know these extra veterinary places which we know are badly needed. You've talked yeah. to us about the shortage of vets no more than there's a shortage of doctors and nurses and physios and everybody. But um, what what did you make of the latest?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, they had the, the headline, I suppose, that, it, I suppose, they made it out that all of a sudden there's going to be veterinary universities everywhere. Um, but from reading it, it seems like it's it's a feasibility study of sorts Um, No, I look at I'm open to correction but that Mm. was my take on it that they've basically assessed all the options people put in their their tenders or their proposals and they've said that you know these ones are the most suitable so for UCD um, to expand by I think it was forty places
0: because UCD um, is the only veterinary exactly. college. Exactly, they're in the Ireland. only veterinary yeah. college at
1: the moment. So they straight away sure could expand it because they already have the lecturers there. They already have the accreditation. Um, then Limerick was the next biggest one. They said you know UL would be able to, to facilitate it quite well, and they they said that they could possibly uh, manage. I think it was something like seventy places or ninety places. It was quite a lot. Mm. And then ACTU and ATU, so the Southeast Technological University and the Atlantic Technological University were also on the list that they potentially could provide I think it was forty five places each. Presumably they'll do it in phases. Like I don't think in twenty twenty four we're going to see all of these places ready to go and um, with veterinary universities, with lecturers there, with facilities there. I presume they'll do it in stages in stages that they've they've basically assessed it and said these are the most suitable places. And we'll start rolling it out bit by bit. I'd, I'd imagine UCD will expand their places fairly quick. Yeah. Maybe not for 2023 intakes like this autumn. Um, maybe for 2024. Uh, and then you'd imagine that Limerick will be trying to get online fairly quick. But I mean, the amount of planning that
0: must go into these sort Massive. of things. yeah, because they're know? hugely, highly accredited, of course. Oh, yeah. And, and in the... Long term or the medium term, will we see the points going down a bit for veterinary then? Because they're very high, obviously, yeah, like, aren't
1: they? I suppose the whole thing with the point system is it's only relative, it's only points are only related to uh, the demand for the course. Yeah. So, I mean, if the demand remains high, the points will remain fairly high. They'll probably come down a bit, but like I wouldn't be expecting a 20 or 30 point drop. I'd probably mm. be expecting 10 or 15 points if they opened up another 100 places. I'd expect that would probably bring the points down by you know 10, 10, 20 points but I wouldn't be expecting 30, 40 point drop
0: because the demand is huge it's not as if people don't want to become vets.
1: yeah no the the demand is very very high Um, I I heard a figure years ago I can't remember off the top of my head but like I'm sure someone could dig into it but the CAO would have the figures and UCD probably have the figures uh, relating you know for the amount of places that they have you know is it 10 or is it 20 students are applying for every place that they have I mean it, it could easily be that there's 10 or 20 students looking to get in for every one that's actually accepted. Right. Um, so, I mean, that would give you an indication. I mean, look, at, all you have to do is look at, there's, I think, about in the region of 200 vets, I think, a year graduating abroad, um, Irish vets graduating abroad and coming back and registering here. So, I mean, if you think about it, if they just stop going abroad and they're all able to go to Irish universities, well, those places will be snapped up very, mm. very quick. So. Mm. Look at it. I couldn't see, I don't see the points dropping massively because they're just related to demand for places and okay. the demand will still be there, I'd, I'd imagine.
0: Really interesting. Well, look, um, let's talk about one of the things that's been coming in your door is a particular infection you were saying, pyrometria.
1: Yeah, pyrometria. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I suppose look we've just seen a bit of a run of them uh, in the last few weeks and months like I said small animals have been busy um, and sometimes you do get a run of things but I thought it's no harm to speak about it um, maybe there is something in it that there is an increase what a pyometra is, is it's an infection a life threatening infection in the uterus so in the womb um, it can happen any species but typically we see it in uh, cats and dogs mostly in dogs to be honest um, but I have seen a few in cats over the years and um, Basically, uh, dogs come into heat uh, twice a year, so roughly every six months, Uh, and with every heat cycle, there's a chance that bacteria might get through the cervix into the uterus and cause an infection in there. Um, over time they call it uh, cystic endometrial hyperplasia so basically they can develop these little cysts or little uh, blisters almost on the inside of the lining of the uterus Mm -hmm. and this can lead to this pyometra complex so basically an infection in the uterus Um, so instead of the uterus being very very thin like on a routine spay where we remove the uterus uh, it would probably be in a normal sized dog an average sized dog the uterus would be as thick as a pencil in a pyometra, it fills up with with pus, basically. I uh, hope no one's having their tea. Yeah. Uh, but it fills up with infectious material. Mm. And, I mean, it could weigh 10% of the dog. So, like, instead of being as thick as a pencil, like, it's, you know, as thick as your arm. Um, so, I mean, I, we've had dogs where, you know, you could have a four kilo dog. And you could take out a four hundred gram Sheepers. uterus out of that dog, or more. I mean, sometimes I've seen them up to fifteen percent of body weight, so they can be huge. But the reason they're life threatening is if that bursts, if that uterus bursts inside the dog, they have a very Horrendous. very short a very short window. It's like a burst appendix then, yeah. you know. So they have a very very short window um, to get to get operated on and get that out, um, and hope that they'll survive it. The mortality rate can be as high as ten percent. So that's the thing and people might say okay well how does it happen it's in female dogs that are not spayed or female cats that are not spayed by the time they're 10 years old a female dog will have a 25 percent chance of getting this condition uh, if she's not spayed so like that's quite high basically. if you have a female dog that's 10 years old and she's not spayed she's a one in four chance that she'll get a pyometra um and with every heat cycle they have that chance so what you might see at home I don't want to alarm people but basically if you have older dogs mm. that are I think it can happen it could happen a two year old dog I have seen it in young dogs but it's most likely in older dogs seven, eight, nine years old they may have an increase in the amount of drinking, peeing, um they may vomit, they may be off form, not want to eat their food, be lethargic or they may have a discharge. That would be a real giveaway. If they had if they had a vaginal discharge, that would be a real giveaway, especially if it's in the weeks after having a heat. Give straight on the phone to a vet and get okay. them in. It's life
0: it's, it's yeah, life threat.
1: It's emergency surgery. Yeah. Um it's emergency surgery then you know, to take out the uterus.
0: And you've had a couple of those recently?
1: Yeah, we've had a bit of a run of them, to be honest, Um, which is, look what you do, sometimes they always say these things come in trees. Mm. Um, But we have had a bit of a run of them. So I, I don't know if it's just bad luck that we saw a lot of them or if perhaps over the last few years there has been a move away from spaying dogs and maybe there's more unspayed females out there I'm not quite right. sure you couldn't you couldn't put your finger on it but we just seem to have seen a bit of a run of them OK and um, so like people could you know if people have got 6, 7, eight year old dogs that they just never got around to spaying or they put it on the long finger look at
0: talk, time to 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 talk to your about bed it. and get getting spayed
1: to avoid okay. this condition OK and,
0: and you can save them by, oh. by and large can you if oh, you get yeah, them that's in time like
1: 90, yeah. 90% will survive yeah. 10% mortality but 90% will do well okay. It's surgical treatment though medical treatment as in giving them antibiotics and trying to uh, give them hormones to try and get the uterus to empty it's, it's it's very hit or miss. We really wouldn't recommend medical treatment. It's surgical treatment. You go in and you take out the uterus. Okay. And they do well. They, they bounce yeah. back really well. But it's nearly always, unless it was an extremely valuable, br- valuable breeding uh, female that they really needed pups off of in the future, you'd be going for surgery otherwise.
0: OK. <clears throat> All right. Staying with such delightful things. Ear mites also in cats and dogs. Is this the time of year for them now that they're out in the long grass? Yeah, we, yeah.
1: yeah. well they'll get them from other pets as well. Oh. They get them mostly from other pets. They're very contagious. Um, but we've just, I've just seen a few of them lately. We have a cool video autoscope at work. So a little scope that a camera to put down the ears and it connects up to your phone with Bluetooth. No um, way. Yeah, so then you can look and see and video it. Um, but it just in the last few weeks, we've physically seen the, the ear mites in the ears of a few pets uh, quite a few more than we would have expected so I suppose look they are contagious from close contact with cats and dogs and so they're one of the things fleas would be another that they are contagious between cat and dog and from dog to cat um, but yeah no. know typically what you're if, if your uh, owners what they might see at home is a cat or a dog very very itchy around the ear so itchy that maybe even when you if you grab their ear and rub their ear or scratch their ear their foot will start going yeah like it's nearly like a reflex Driving the pedal, them pedal crazy. reflex and yeah. um, so they actually yeah, they start going themselves and scratching like mad at their ears and if you look into the ear and you see this material that looks almost like coffee grounds. That's kind of the debris that, that 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 generally you'll see with ear mite infestation. So that's that's kind of a giveaway. Um, but yeah, generally, we'll take swabs and put the swabs on a microscope on a microscope slide. And um, but also with the video otoscope to just look down there and see it. I got a cool video. I must put it up on Instagram. Um, but I got a really cool video oh, about. Oh, do and say, tell us about it. I'd say about you can literally see about the ten, life and ten times of <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's just. We just seem to see a lot of them, so it's no harm. Look at you, most of the flea uh, preventatives that you get from your vets will cover uh, ear mites as well, um, That you know, for, for prevention. But just, yeah, if you have a dog out there with itchy ears or a cat with itchy ears, chat to the vet.
0: And treatment is
1: simple? Oh, treatment's really easy. Yeah, It's normally one of the spot-ons on the back of the neck. Um, one of the prescription ones, they have the best, the longest residual action. So just treat two or three months in a row and that normally Knocks okay. it on the head.
0: And speaking of which, worms—is it a time for worms this? Yeah, look at I mean, with, well, with the climate that we have, you. it's
1: always it's always an issue in in uh, cats and dogs. We just don't get hot enough in the summer and we don't get cold enough in the winter. So yeah, worms year round for pets. Um, depending on the pet and their lifestyle, you'd be worming an adult dog between every month to three months. Like if they're out in the garden and they don't ever really come into the house, you'd probably do every three months. If they're an indoor dog that sits in the couch and licks your face, I'd probably be going monthly, um, just because you have the risk of the dog passing the worms onto you.
0: Disgusting. <laughs> We're great for the disgusting <laughs> chats. Um, what about um, another issue? Then this has come up as well, has it? Intervertebral disc disease.
1: Yes. So I suppose in layman's terms, we might talk about a slipped disc.
0: Ah, yeah. dogs get slipped.
1: <clears throat> <laughs> Absolutely, to do, and we had it,
0: and not just fancy dogs. No, any dog
1: can get it. Yeah, they can. Um, more common in certain breeds, um, like the Hound would be a classic because they've got such a long back. Um, they're notorious for getting this IVDD, so intervertebral disc disease, so a slip disc. Um, and so basically, the the discs in the back, they are a, bit, a lot of people to hear about slip discs and don't actually know what they are. They're like shock absorbers between the vertebrae. So they allow a little bit of movement there between the vertebrae, but the discs over time can wear out and they can herniate. So basically like a little bulge on the disc and that will push against the spine, uh, the spinal cord and put pressure on it and cause a lot of pain. And it can cause decreased sensation or, you know, we'll be testing dogs. Sometimes you'll see a hound or a pug or something like that will come in and they won't be able to use their back legs fully because they've, they've herniated a disc and that's pushing on their spine so the signal can't get from the brain to the feet so we'll see them and they might be dragging their back legs or they might be knuckling their toes so the back feet the toes will be just the, the tops of the nails will be hitting the ground mm. as they're walking along um, or when we pinch their toes to see what they can feel they may not be able to withdraw their foot so their foot that reflex is is reduced Um, but no we had a couple of interesting cases recently Um, one of them actually I'm I'm allowed to speak about because it was one of our vets it was uh, her own dog Um, and so it had neck pain And the neck pain didn't respond to conservative treatment, so anti-inflammatories, rest, pain relief. And
0: how did she know the neck pain?
1: Oh, very, very stiff. When she examined the dog, very, very stiff on the neck, wouldn't uh, wouldn't raise the head up and was holding the neck off to the side. And so you'd hope initially, you know, you rule out the common things first. You're thinking this is a muscular spasm or just an injury, soft tissue injury, something like that. Didn't respond to treatment. Um, So x-rays were performed. Um, and there was suspicion that they, you you won't see the spine on an X-ray. It's not detailed enough. You need an MRI or a CT to see that level of detail. Um, but we could see that the, the discs did look, the disc space, I should say, looked calcified. So it looked like it was, it was thicker than it should be. Mm. So that was suspicious. So the beauty of the modern world, we were able to email the X-rays away to a specialist, so to a consultant surgeon basically. And um, and so that dog what they said yeah we're suspicious as well that there's a there's a herniated disc here in the neck um, and so they said come down CT CT showed a, her- a disc pushing right in on the spine compressing the spine so the feeling wasn't able to get down further surgery to decompress the the spine and then a lovely recovery over a few weeks Worked Yeah but it is it's amazing and just we had another similar case uh, to that we've had two dogs go off to specialists for, for surgeries like that recently and it's just I suppose it shows just the level of care that's there now for pets do you know, some of the people say, God, you know, like veterinary care, it's, you know, it's expensive or this or that. But that's the level now that is available these days. Yeah. Do you know that? So and where you would have
0: lost a dog in the oh, past. Of course. In James Harriet's time, down. that would yeah. have been a
1: progressively more painful dog. And mm. then very quickly a dog that wasn't able to walk and mm. would have to have been put to sleep. Mm. Whereas now those those options are there. They're not for every dog. It depends on the severity and the surgeons will go through that. But just thought it was really cool. We do see it. I would say, look, in terms of prevention, like how can, it's all well and good saying we had these cool cases and they had surgery and they got better. How could someone prevent this? If they have a high risk breed, you know, if they have, someone's out there listening, they have a, a Great Dane with a big long back um, or a dash hound, you know, uh, or a pug or something like that, that's maybe high risk for herniating a disc. I would say, try to reduce their access to furniture so that they're not jumping up and down off of furniture. Really? Yeah, if you ever uh, videotaped a dog jumping off of, especially a Dachshund, jumping off of a couch, say, onto the ground. Yeah. So they, they'll jump down and they'll be relatively flat, but then they, 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 they'll they tip, you know, they like a diver. They'll mm. go down, uh, paws first, front paws first. And then when they land their head will come upright so their front paws hit the ground and their head will come upright so if you look at this in slow motion their front paws and their head will actually be level with the ground as in as if they're looking straight ahead but their back is still up in the air and then the back comes down so that puts awful pressure on the back you know so this up and down off of furniture is really bad for for look it's bad for it can't happen to any dog For Dachon's Great Danes, yeah, anything like that. Um, look, at it, sure, it's the same as people. I mean, I'm tall and I've had back issues. Tall Not people are probably more likely as cause well. Trouble, don't do you know they, they yeah. do? Sure. Um, do you know? I don't know that's anecdotal, but it does seem to be like that. But in pets, definitely, there's certain breeds, especially Dachshunds. Um, so we'd always say, look. at that's where pet insurance can make a huge difference. Yeah, Do you know, pet insurance can be the difference between going to a specialist or not, because look at when you're paying for a CT and specialist surgeons, like consultants, okay, it has to be expensive. You know, there's no way around it. It's going to be, it is going to be an expensive surgery. It's not going to be a hundred euros, um, and unfortunately, that's you know, you want to so get if the pet, you the best love outcome.
0: your pet and you don't want. The pet, uh, I suppose, some people just have to let the pet go if they if it's. Look, there's always to options. To get Sometimes
1: they will respond to medical treatment. Not every mm. dog, not every dog needs spinal surgery just because mm. they hurt their back. Mm. A lot of dogs will respond to medical treatment. So that's mm. anti inflammatories, cage rest, uh, pain relief. You know, and they will. A lot of dogs do really, really well. Um, but the ones okay. that aren't responding, they're the ones you'd send to a specialist.
0: But pet 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 insurance is oh, really worth pet insurance is
1: really worth. Do while. loads of
0: people have it now?
1: It's becoming more popular, but I would say in Ireland it's probably less than ten percent of pets.
0: Oh gosh, is it?
1: It is, yeah. But I would say, look at if people are thinking of pet insurance, I look at I don't have any particular brand that I recommend. Yeah, we're not allowed anyway. But I wouldn't yeah. have one that I'd recommend. All I would say is, make sure it's a lifetime policy. So that it covers the dog for their whole life. So get them insured when they're young, when nothing has ever happened to them. Because mm. if a dog goes in and if a dog comes to the vet and they're lame, then they won't cover the dog it'd, for being it'd lame. It'd be
0: like human insurance exactly. that if you've got pre-existing. pre-existing conditions. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then get a lifetime policy. So the years ago, the old policies were annual. So, if a dog got lame this year, they'd, they'd pay for the lameness, oh, but then right. next year it will okay. be pre-existing. So, make sure if you're getting pet insurance that it's a lifetime policy. Just ask them. If okay. you're dealing with the insurance company, ask them, say, will this cover the dog for life? If they develop, you know, diabetes, will it pay for the diabetes for the next 10 years? Do you know? Um, but it, it, can be a, it can be a huge difference, Do you know, That's even a for, great tip. For okay. Like okay. That. So, yeah.
0: li- lifetime insurance. Richard, as always. Absolutely fascinating. Um, thanks very much indeed for joining us, and good luck with all those pets and the the bigger farm animals out there as well. We'll no see problem. you. We'll see you soon. Thanks very much. Thanks, thanks. Richard. KCL is the way it is.